Hi there, and welcome to All Things Montessori, a podcast devoted to discussing aspects of the Montessori approach to child development. If you're a guide in the classroom, a parent of a Montessori child, or someone who is just trying to learn more about it, we cover it all. My name is Rachel Larson, and I'm a Montessori teacher and an administrator, and I'm joined by Jamie Rue, AMI trainer and Montessori consultant. As a teacher or anyone who works specifically with children who take so much of our attention and patience, self-care is something that cannot be diminished or forgotten about. Jamie and I sit down this week and we we talk about the importance of self-care and mindfulness and taking care of oneself. Yes, we have those beautiful summer months to recuperate, but what do we do throughout the school year? How do we keep our patience? How do we keep that beautiful disposition, that calm demeanor all throughout the year? Because it does not just come naturally. I can tell you that much. So we thought it important to talk through that self-care process and how it is something that is so vital for teachers today. Teachers really struggle to find a balance between work and life. There's something about this work, I think, especially in Montessori, where we are consumed with our children, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. We're thinking about them all the time. The individualized approach requires that we're really considering each child individually. So you don't set a lesson plan for the whole class and it's just done. You set a lesson plan for each individual child Mm -hmm. and those kinds of things strike you you know, at two in the morning and (laughs) while you're out at dinner and, you know, those kinds of things. So it's very easy to allow this to consume your life because of the children, but also because of the content that's so exciting. So you get excited about what you're offering the children. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, And so it's important to be conscious of taking care of yourself as an adult. If you become an adult who is stressed and drained, you are not the best adult to be working with children. And it's, and it's easy to fall into that because the work is so much in this work. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the most important things, um, is make sure that you're getting enough sleep. That's something that I just did not, I did not get enough sleep my first year of teaching. I think it's because I had to transition from being a night owl to being a morning person because you have to be a morning person as a teacher. I'm still not a morning person, but I get up and I'm, I get eight hours of sleep now. But I think the days that I was exhausted or like drinking way too much coffee or things like that, it was a lot harder for me to, you know, be present because you truly have to be ready before they get there. All of your stuff needs to be put away. You have to have eaten breakfast. You shouldn't be like munching on something. You know, I've done all these things, but, um, you know, it's, Because then you're in a state where you feel like you have done all of your things that morning and then you can be ready for when they get there. You know, I don't know that that for me was a hard um, lesson to learn. I I really discounted that because if I left work, if I left for work late, then I was rushing and then I was yelling at someone on the road because I was in traffic or something. And then ultimately I would be in a bad mood when I got to work Mm -hmm. and that mood will, you know, I, I can snap myself out of it. But I'm much more prone to maybe snap or like, you know, handle a situation in a in a different way than I should, if that makes sense. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, sleep was one thing that I cannot stress enough. That's helpful. It's essential, you know, because this work, you know, we're working in this sort of industry where we are giving so much mm-hmm. to support other humans. Uh, it, it, um, it's draining work. It's satisfying, fulfilling, and inspiring work, but it also can drain. And if you aren't getting enough sleep or eating well or any of those things, then being with the children in the way that we need to be so present with them yes. becomes really impossible. And it can just become a bad cycle of yeah. perpetuating all of it. Um, mm-hmm. You didn't have a great day, so then you're frustrated. So then you stay up too late trying to prepare for the next day, and then you're tired. And then, you know, I mean, all of these things. So it's important to consider self-care and how you're going to manage, uh, you know, having that separation between work and the rest of your life, even though these children are going to weave their way into your thoughts all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've had like summer breaks when I'm just constantly thinking about something I can try the next year. Mm-hmm. But it's not a bad thing. I think it's just because, you know, this work, you have to be 100% invested. Yep. This is not going to work. Um, I think, too, talking more about self-care, you know, besides September, which is Jamie and I were talking about how it's the most important month. Don't do anything in September. Right. <laughs> Tell everyone to change their wedding dates or, you know, you're going to be exhausted and you're so be- tired and putting so much work into the classroom that as mm-hmm. much as you can have that time in the evenings to recenter and be ready in September mm-hmm. uh, and prepare and all of those things really try to do that. But then you do need to live a normal life. Right. <laughs> so I found that what helped me was, um, you know, going out or doing something that made me feel like I was just like a regular 20 something person rather than how I actually felt in the classroom. Like I was just this like caretaker of all these children, right? Because that, then you get in the space where you feel like, you know, you're taking care of so many things, you're giving, you're working so hard. And then, you know, then you have to go to bed at nine o'clock at night, and then you get up early and your life just becomes sort of sad. (laughs) Well, into having a conversation with someone over the age of eight on a regular basis, it is important. I mean, eight-year-olds are awesome, but they are eight, you know, so it is important that, that you're out and conversing with you know, adults. (laughs) Absolutely. No, it's so, it's so true. Um, and through that though, what I found is, um, I would, you know, be out or like talking to different kinds of people who, you know, weren't teachers. Um, but I found that I would still want to talk about my job because I was so happy and Montessori is so interesting and people actually, it's funny. There's, I always say there's like two types of conversations with Montessori. One, they know about it and they have some crazy connection or they went to Montessori school, um, or two, they've never heard about it. And mostly people have heard about it, but they have no idea what it is. And they think it's, oh, is that that school where you just like play outside all the time? I'm like, what? No. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's like the opposite. Oh, is that like very strict, like that really strict one? And, you know, it's, you get a wide range of questions, but it's so fun to, you know, talk to other people about it too. And that way, you know, you feel validated and being, you know, being a teacher, doing all the hard work that you are doing, you know, feels good to do all that. Um, But self-care is so important. 
Um, I personally struggle with anxiety and that is something that can definitely flare up in the classroom quite easily. Um, <laughs> I think whether it's something you've experienced before or not, yeah. it happens for a lot of people. Absolutely. Because, you know, you kind of get in like uh, micromanaging mode, right? Where you want everything to be perfect. And then when it doesn't, you freak out about it, especially some of your first years teaching, um, you think everything's your fault, right? right? And then you hold yourself accountable to it when, no, it's not your fault that that, you know, whatever happened in the classroom, it's not your fault. And also in the grand scheme of things, if no one's in danger, if no one hurt themselves, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Right. It's fine. Um, but I, I relied and I still rely um, a lot on journaling, you know, checking in with myself, um, taking a step back sometimes, going for long walks, yoga, I cook a lot, anything that makes you, you just amplify that during the school year. Um, because you'll be a better guide for it. Yep. Well, and when you're feeling some of those things that you know are your issues that you have to work with, not the children's, but yours, it's really important to step back and say, what do I need to do here? When you can't walk through the door and sort of leave the rest of your life behind, mm -hmm. when you're finding that th that baggage comes with you, then you that baggage you're going to bring to the children right. and you have to figure out what's going to support you and being able to leave that baggage at the door. And then, I mean, you can pick it back up, but when you're working with the children, they really deserve an adult who's focused and present and calm and comfortable and mm -hmm. not stressing out about the fight with the spouse or the anxiety issue or the whatever. And of course things happen. Right in your life and, and you're going to have some of this where it's going to needle its way in and you have to figure out how you're going to handle to, you know, to work on that. You know, when we were buying a house, I had my cell phone on in the classroom, which I never did, but you know, it was back when the market was really hot and mm -hmm. we had to sign the papers or lose the house, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I told the children and that sort of invaded the classroom, but I told the children, we talked about why, and it we navigated that, and it passed. But if it's something more pressing or more chronic, then it's really important that beyond the regular self-care that you're doing for yourself, like cooking or exercising or going out with friends or any of those things that you've found that helps you refuel and recharge, you also need to look at the other places you can get help if it's yeah. something chronic and, and more serious. Mm -hmm. And because the children deserve an adult who can approach them that way. So, you know, find a therapist or a, you know, your, a religious leader or whatever is going to work for you to help guide and support you in that level of self-care too. Um, because again, it just... It makes it'll make everything feel better in the yeah, classroom if right. you're getting the help that you need. Right, and it's it's great because um, you know I got help with my anxiety my first year of teaching, and I I learned so much about that about myself through that experience, and then I it was so fulfilling to go back into the classroom and just see how much better it was. You know, the children didn't know because I was really keeping it inside, and I was really working on leaving that baggage at the door. But, you know, sometimes you leave your baggage at the door and then you come back at the end of the day and it's not even there anymore because you forgot because it doesn't matter. 
but sometimes it's still there, right? And that's right. when you know that you have to do something about it because, you know, as much as the classroom becomes a safe haven, which it did for me, and it's wonderful, you know, you really do need to, those bigger issues, um, it's, it's always, it's hard to, you know, self-recognize and see, oh, I do need help. But once you get to that point, um, it just makes, it makes you such a stronger person and teacher. Right. I mean, being able to offer, because a lot of what we have to do in the classroom is, you know, we, we exercise a fair amount of understanding of psychology yeah. <laughs> with the children, mm -hmm. not for diagnosis, but for navigating a lot of what they're experiencing. So you can do that even more effectively, I think, when, you know, when you've been through work with a therapist, to be honest, Absolutely. I mean, you start to, you can, you can, it, because it is just support for how to be in relationship. Yeah. And I've had children in my class who struggle with anxiety and I've been able to use some things that I've learned and help them at such a young, young age, which, right. you know, I, I should have been diagnosed with anxiety when I was two years old because I was afraid of the uh, cracks in the sidewalk. And like, literally my mom said, if somebody sneezed, I would panic. And, and it's just so funny. Cause I'm like, Oh, like we should have definitely realized that <laughs> not until I was 27, but you know, whatever. But I think that's a, that's another thing that you can bring to the table too, is like, you know, of course, academics are extremely important in the Montessori environment, but you know, that community, that culture, and then really helping children, you know, yeah, you do seem angry about that. Let's talk about a way, you know, I teach meditation to some of my children or breathing mm -hmm. techniques or things like that. We have a yoga class on Thursdays, I know is not Montessori, but I had to schedule it. <laughs> um, but, you know, all those things can be a real gift to those children, I think. Um, because as we're in an age now where there's sort of the stigma about mental health has kind of been erased, which I think is great. And a yeah. lot of people are way more open about talking about it, about saying like, yeah, I'm going to go to therapy about it. It's not a taboo thing to say anymore. It used to be. Um, I think that should keep going and, you know, being a guide in the classroom, you can really help the children not feel like it's a stigma or know when to, they, they can know when to ask their guide for help or things like that. Um, anyway. No. So it's an important part of self-care, like the daily practices that you do. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's going to feel very tempting at times to stay at work till six or seven at night because yeah. there's this to do and this to prepare and that, you know, but really being firm with sort of your arrival and departure time, scheduling yourself with things so that you definitely have to leave. Yeah. Um, uh, doing those things again, finding those things that recharge you and refuel you. The children will do some of that. Yeah. But they also will drain you, you know, so right. there's, you have to find a place where you're getting recharged that's separate from the classroom. Mm -hmm. Of course, the classroom should feed you as well, but you have to look outside the classroom for those things that are going to help you and feel okay saying, yes, I need to go out with friends tonight. That's going to help me feel better or saying, no, I right. can't do it. Mm -hmm. I, the thing I need tonight is a bubble bath and a book and early to bed, you know, like and feeling comfortable doing either of those things, you know, so that you know what you need. Uh, because again, 
you're going to sacrifice yourself a lot of the school day. Yeah. Right. Oh, I won't go to the bathroom right now because I need to do this other thing. Right. Like (laughs) the biggest sacrifice of all time. (laughs) Right. It's so true. Or, oh, I'll skip my lunch or I'll do these things to meet with a parent or whatever else needs to happen. So, so keeping in mind that you're, there's a lot of self-sacrifice that goes into this work Mm -hmm. because in service of children and families. So, how are you going to, you know, how are you going to fill that back in in your off time uh, so that so that you can continue to do some of that self-sacrifice that's so important to the work and so important for these children's development? Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to just make sure that it's not um, that, you, yeah, that you're rebuilding yourself. Yeah, because, I mean, if I could work 24 hours a day for a year on all of my teaching stuff, and I would still have something to do. Yes. Like, and it just, that will just always be the thing. Yes. So you have to realize that and not get overwhelmed by it and just take it day by day. Yep. Step by step. You know, small victories are great. Um, that was one thing I, I had so many ideals when I first started teaching and I still have all of them, but I, there were so many of them that I just started doing a couple at a time. You yeah. Know? And there's still things that I need to improve on, but that's fine. That will be always. Well, and we have to, we have, I think, as teachers in general, Montessori teachers in particular, really high standards for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we take our responsibility very seriously. Mm -hmm. So we can be really, we can be hard on ourselves. We can be relentless in a way that we wouldn't with a six-year-old. We're going to be far more understanding Or even with one of our peers, mm-hmm. but for ourselves, we're going to be really hard, and 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 we have to keep in mind that this is there's always going to be the work there's and there's always going to be the time. You know, I've told I tell this story a lot of, I think it was my ninth year of teaching that my husband commented that I didn't come home every single day, telling him how poorly I felt I'd done in certain things in my classroom, that I didn't do enough of this and I didn't get to these lessons and I didn't do, you know, nine years that I had, that he had had to, you know, listen and try to help me not do that, you know, but in my ninth year of teaching, I only did it a couple times a week or something. Right. Right. But I think part of that is that we're so like, oh, I meant to do all these things and I Right. You, and I didn't get mm-hmm. to it. And, and, and I wasn't tearing myself apart, but he, it was striking to him when I finally started to feel like, oh, I've got a handle on this. And that's, you know, nine years in. So <laughs> then I was only in the classroom one more year, but that's kind of funny. So it started all, <laughs> sort of started all over again <laughs> in the training world. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think that, I think that's just a sign of how exacting we are on ourselves. Oh, sure. And, and we have to remember that that's just the work. We're going to, we're going to just like, we're going to feel like we haven't done enough every day. And, right. And we have to sort of let go. Absolutely. Okay. So acknowledge, yeah, I didn't do 10 things I planned to. And that's okay. Right. What I started to do, because I would just focus on all the negatives, right? And some of these negatives were like a 30 second thing that happened, right? And then it would just ruin my whole day. I start, this is so funny to think back on this. I had a Word document and all it said was things that went right. And I would just write things. And it, and the sad part was it was hard for me to remember them. Mm-hmm. And it got easier and easier as I, you know, 
trained my brain to remember those because as humans we're programmed you know to really focus on negatives because it's all about survival right so you just want to you always are like our brains are just identifying the problem right oh it's so much harder to you know identify oh yeah I did give that amazing lesson on the tone bars and then a child wrote a, you know wrote a song or something yeah but the one thing that I you know fixate on can just completely overcloud your brain and you're right, you do have to just let it go because it's a new day the next day. And it's nothing, it, as long as a child is not in danger or hurt or you are not in danger or hurt, it's doesn't, it's fine. Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And then that's the amazing thing, like for the children, we know that we're giving them every day, well, in every moment, you know, it is a new day. We're letting them build themselves and we're not bringing prejudgments from the past into them. And we need to do that for ourselves too. So true. Every day. The children are offering that to us. I mean, I they are. They're so forgiving. <laughs> it's just amazing. I know. It's such a good reminder. Um, I've even been in the middle of a lesson and had to go get my album and I just make up something. Oh, I have to go get a glass of water or something. Kids don't know. Right. Even or if they do know, they don't care. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. Upper elementary, sometimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, you just had to go look that up. Yeah, so. Right. I did. Fine. Right, cool. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so the key is really being sure that you're balancing and taking care of yourself. And, and part of that self-care can also be connecting with other people. So connect with the people in your cohort, mm -hmm. you know, reach out and, and get some validation and support from them. Connect with EAA. Mm -hmm. If you're not, if you're an elementary teacher, join the Elementary Alumni Association That's and awesome. get some support from that. Uh, we, in, I taught in Seattle and uh, this is, we were the only AMI school in the state at the time. There were not as many schools as there are now. But we found we had a regular one Saturday a month. We a bunch of us in the area got together and we'd make materials or we'd just talk or That's something nice. like that. So, you know, if you don't have that in your community, get it going. We kept it going pretty regularly for a few years. Those things kind of die out and come sure, back. Yeah. But, but think about those kinds of things that you can do that will also feed you and support you. Um and, you know, it counts as work, too. So right. you're getting something done when you're... Definitely. And, of course, there's conferences. And 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 I know, I know that trainers want to hear from graduates. So reach out to your trainers uh, and, and other, you know, people you've connected with over the years. Because that, you know, we have to support each other in this work mm -hmm. so that you'll stay in this work. Because otherwise, you know... We don't want teachers leaving the work after five years because right. they're burnt out. We mm -hmm. want to. Because it's so easy to get there if yes. you're not taking care of yourself or if you don't have, if, if you feel like you don't have the proper support at your school, just say something yeah. because I'm sure that the administration wants to keep you, right? It's I, It took me um, a while to realize that and feel like I was validated and, you know, thinking, oh, I need this. And I didn't want to ask for it because I thought I should just be making it happen on my own. But there's a lot of stuff you cannot make happen on your own. It's very hard. Um, so just sort of, you know, it's sort of a pride thing. Just like let your pride go. It's fine. Because I know, and Jamie knows, there are so many teachers or 
you know, people in this work that feel the exact same way you do. Yeah. Probably on the same day, in the same hour. <laughs> we had a rule in our classroom, in my elementary classroom, that was ask for help when you need it and help when you can. Oh, nice. And we have to do that as adults. Ask for help when we need it. We're really good at helping when we can. We're t- we tend to want to help. But that also means we need to ask for help when we need it. Absolutely. Yeah. Because without that help or without the ability to ask for help, you will continually just go more inward. Mm-hmm. Right? Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at allthingsmontessoripod at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at at allthingsmontessori. Jamie and I are dedicated to continuing the conversation, and we hope you tune in next time for more discussion.